Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. Yeah, since um, worship night that we had was just so powerful, God really just came to remind us, or He just kind of spoke a word. He just said He wants to release the Holy Spirit. And we've got to be prepared for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not just in the church, not just on Sundays, but a continuous experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives all day, every day, every week. How many of you know how amazing that'll be just to feel the Holy Spirit with you at all times? And we've got to position ourselves and be ready for that. So last week we just spoke on letting go of resentment. I want to encourage you to, to go listen to that, to catch up. And today we're going to move on. There's something else the Holy Spirit wants to work with in our lives. Um, and so I'm going to try and be as quick as I can, but uh, share everything that's on my heart. I mean, even know, that's the ultimate challenge. <laughs> so I was just reminded... Um, Wow, and it's just so special what happened in the worship today. It really was special. Rosine, KG, thank you so much for leading us. Um, and just reminded of, of the fact that Jesus really is the center of our lives. And as soon as anything else becomes the center, we, we get off balance and, and we go in the wrong direction. And I can really look back and be thankful for the fact that Jesus has been the center of our lives. That, that we really have drawn to Christ at all times. And gone to Him regardless of what takes place. And 2017 was not my favorite year. It was, a, it was really a tough year for us as a family and, and as a ministry because of what had happened in the previous years. But we, we took over because we knew it was the right thing and the right place to be in, or the right place to be at. Um, I had my legs in two places, kind of in the video world, in the business world, and in the church world, but wasn't leading, and we had to make a decision to lead, and, and lead in very difficult circumstances. And things were so rough that my body just wasn't able to cope. I had to have surgery uh, because of just a small infection that didn't heal and became big. And, and that just was testament of how rough it was on me personally, as a person, my body. And um, then we had Brendan arrive as a surprise, you know. So, you know, there's this joke that says having three children is like when you have two kids and you're drowning in a pool and someone throws you a baby, okay. Well, well we were drowning in the sea, <laughs> of uncertainty, uh, of, of a lot of stuff happening, and God threw us a baby. He's like, here we go. This will, this will, you know. <laughs> but how many of you know God throws you a blessing? And uh, he's, we joke, we say he's our favorite. Okay, it's just a joke. But, <laughs> but it's a kind of true joke. Yeah. Don't, don't tell my other kids. Okay. <laughs> and I was just reminded of, of just sitting here today. I had to go to a place. I remember 
God said to us right in the beginning. He said, um, when all of this was going on, now I'm trying to focus on, on God and, and what his word is. And, and I'm asking him for a sign. How many of you have asked God for a sign? You're like, yo, God, this is just like, I need a sign. And God said to me, he said, I'm going to send you musicians, and that'll be a sign that I'm with you in the ministry. And so this guy with long blonde hair arrives, yeah, like the second week after we start leading. He's got long blonde hair, and he plays guitar for SA Idols and Nuit for Nuit and, and whatever, you name it, he's played on it. Whatever album, he's played on it. Like just one of the best electric guitar players in the country. And I'm like, wow, God is speaking. Like, and he came once, and he never came again. His wife had been coming for weeks, and she was like, we love it here, and he came, he's like, nah. And I'm like, God, come on. And sitting in the church was KG, Razine, and the Hennings family, and they joined at exactly that time. And I sat here, man, I want to cry. I sat here on, on band practice Wednesday night. And I was like, God has been with us. And I went to youth Friday night. And the Hennings kids, oh, they did worship. And then afterwards, when the youth ended, they're like, can we do worship again? It was just so much fun. And I'm like, God has been with us. And sometimes you look at who he gives you, or you don't see initially. I mean, initially. <laughs> you, you don't see and, and he's been adding, and Maddie Maddie's been here Maddie's just leading worship with us Bernadine is my wife <laughs> and so he's added to our family not just musicians but other people who carry the heart of God and carry the passion for the Holy Spirit and I can only look back and go God has been with us Amen so Jesus appeared in his spiritual form in John 20. Well, John wrote, let me just start reading. It says, John 20, verse 30 to 31 says, this, it says, There are also many other signs and miracles which Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book. But these are written in order that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that through believing and cleaving to and trusting and rely on him, you may have, say, life. And so when you're looking for a sign, <laughs> there is a whole book of signs already available. And if you believe in those signs, if you believe in what Jesus did, you will believe in Jesus Christ and then you will have life. And life really is what all of us experience but are also looking for. You, you know that feeling after you watch South Africa play New Zealand and they win? <laughs> that feeling is life. Say amen, whether you watch rugby or not. But you can have that feeling all day, every day, all the time. How many of you know that? 
So when you, when you, when you look back on your week, you go, oh, man, I, I had that feeling. I, I, the Holy Spirit was with me. I had life. And I had it in abundance because of who Jesus is and what he did in my heart. And that's not just Sunday school stuff. This is like real stuff. Him with us, present and real. And I just decided in that time, I said, disappointment will not be my springboard. So many people have, have disappointment as their springboard. That's the start of their story. That's the start of, of where they're from, who they are. That's what molded them is the disappointment they've been through. And yes, there are lessons we can learn from it, or there are lessons that have taken us through difficult times. But Jesus is always our starting point. I say in our new members' meetings, I say, we have a different perspective to the world. And that perspective is the fact that God created us in his image. That's the start of our story. And that is the end of our story. And that is the fullness and the wholeness of our story. We are created in his image. If you go in John 20 and you go just a few verses back, it says in verse 19, let me go to John 20, 19. On that same first day of the week when it was evening, though the disciples were behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. How many of you know that after Jesus was crucified, the, the disciples went and hid? They were going through trauma. They were going through hell. And they went and found a place to hide because of their fear. And Jesus came right into the place they were hiding. But how many of you know he appeared? He came through the locked doors like... Wee, 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 wee. <laughs> and yes, Jesus. Hi. And he says, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. And when the disciples saw it, they were filled with absolute joy. Like, guys, for three years, they'd built their life on Jesus. For three years, they'd put their hope on Jesus. For three years, they'd trusted in Jesus. And then on a day, he was gone. He was murdered. He was killed on a cross and the enemy was all around and they felt like this is the end. And in fear they were hiding and then Jesus appears. Well, that's a good, wow. Okay. So regardless of what you've been going through, if you've lost your job, if you've lost someone, if you've had health problems, if you've experienced rapid change and you feel like it's too much to bear, Jesus comes right into that moment. He comes right into that place and he says, see my hands, feel my side. I am real. That's why Jesus is the center of it all because he, he brings us back. He, he fills us with joy. How many of you know that that? That if Jesus is real, you will be filled with continuous joy. Someone say amen. amen. 
Okay, any, any people want to be filled with joy in the room? Any people already filled with joy? Come on. We're not going back. And then Jesus does something amazing. He, he breathes on them. He says, peace to you. And having said that, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples on two occasions then. On this occasion and then after he had left when they were waiting in the upper room. But on this occasion he came to yield their hearts. And the Holy Spirit was poured out so that they could forgive. So that they could forgive whoever needed to be forgiven. Remember when you're confronted with the enemy... We spoke last week on resentment. And you start deciding who you are going to resent. And who you're going to hold your grievances against. The Bible says you grieve the Holy Spirit. Knowing that Jesus appears amongst them. He says it doesn't matter who killed me. I'm here. So yes, Jesus he's coming and he's saying hey it doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter who did it. It doesn't matter who's after you, who wants to kill you. I'm going to breathe the Holy Spirit over you. Whoever you forgive is forgiven. Whoever you don't forgive is not. May the Holy Spirit work through you, release you. And then there's Thomas, and we all know him as Doubting Thomas because he wasn't there that night. He was somewhere else. And they said, hey, Jesus came. And he's like, no, no, no ways. Not a chance. And Jesus appears to him. Says, hey, will you touch my hands, touch my side? And God wants to, I just felt so strong. He wants to release us from doubt, to deal with doubt. Anyone in the room have doubt when things go wrong? Like, come on, man. Come on, God. I don't know if, if, you know, I don't know if, if you love me. I, I don't know if you really have your finger on me. I don't know if you really have a plan for me. I don't know if you want me to succeed or prosper or, or grow or, or even experience joy in life. And Jesus says, just touch me. He comes into your room. And I want to encourage you to expect Jesus appearing in your room. The Holy Spirit appearing in your room, in your place of doubt. Not metaphorically, like, like start to expect Jesus. Because when he appears, he appears powerfully. And he comes and he brings so much life. We can't live without it. We can't live without it. Some of you know I like running. I have to bring running in. I'm an average runner. In other words, I like running. I do enough running to stay fit. I'm not a pro, but I'm not bad. How many of you know everyone can run? (laughs) Everyone can, unless you have an injury and you need healing. But if you haven't been injured, 
you can run. Not from things. For a price. <laughs> you can. You really can. I was running yesterday and God's like, in the same way that you can't discover that you can run, you can't live a life of faith unless you actually live a life of faith. Does that make sense? So the people that say they can't run, haven't run. You can't live a life of faith unless you live a life of faith. Justin quoted Habakkuk 2 verse 1. Stand on the towers. Look for the word. Guess what Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says? Write the word in bold letters and run with it. So God gives you a vision. He gives you a prophetic word for your life. He says, okay, now you need to apply the Holy Spirit. Now you need to apply faith. Write it in big letters. Remember beginning of the year we said write the, the testimony for a remembrance. How many of you have written your testimony? You've written down your testimony so you can remember. But now he's saying write the vision so that you can, I like that word, run with it. <laughs> so not only can you run, God's telling you to run. People joke, they say, what are you running from? Well, I can only run away from my house for half of my run. Because then I turn around and I start running where? Back. Running to my house, my, house, my life. So you can't run away from something forever. So you've got to run to the vision. You've got to write the vision and you've got to... Run with it. Psalms 119, verse 30 to 33 says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. Your ordinances I have set before me. I cleave to your testimony, God. Let me not be put to shame. And then it says, I will run the way of your commandments when you give me a heart that is willing. Teach me, God, your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. God's saying, don't get bogged down by disappointment. I will be with you. Write the vision. So, that, so, so ask for a sign. God will give you a sign. But secondly, run with faith. Run towards the vision. Make sure the vision is visible and clear. Whether you go print fridge magnets or whatever it is you need to do, make sure the vision is in front of you. Remind you, remind yourself of what the vision is. It's part of why we love the prophetic in this church. The prophetic is not supposed to be a place of position or power over others. It's to remind others of how much God loves how much God loves us. And so gather those words together. Write the vision and run into it. Step into it. I'm training. We, we, Daniela and Mia are doing uh, cross country. And they did 3Ks on, 
on, um, on Friday. And you can see these two girls, they, they, they're running together. The, the girls who won are like far, they'll beat us by far. Little 12-year-olds who are like, oh, wow, amazing. And then there's Daniela and Mia, and, and they're just kind of experiencing pain all the way to the end. Me and Justin are like, go faster. They're like, we're going to kill you. What are you talking about? <laughs> Leave me alone. And then when they come around the corner, we're there again. We're like, hey, stop chatting. Run. You know? <laughs> Yet they were doing that. They actually beat their last week's time by a minute. But it didn't look like it to us. We were like, these girls are just gay. And then afterwards, we're like, wow, actually, you know. <laughs> Let me say this. Running will always hurt. Running always hurts. I was watching, last week I was watching the Commonwealth Marathon, and the guy who comes in looks amazing. The guy who came in last, they had to hold him, he came in like, like this. Like, like he ran against the barrier, doof, 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 on the right-hand barrier, all the way in, and you're like, oh, that poor guy, he probably, you know, really struck. Meantime, he's just finished a marathon in two, two hours, 15 minutes. That's 42.2 Ks. In two hours and 15 minutes. And you're looking at this guy and you're thinking he can't run. But you wouldn't be close to that guy. He's one of the best in the world. Running always hurts. But there's two kinds of pain in life. The pain of running and the pain of not running. Two kinds of pains, the pain of running and the pain of not running. The thing with the pain of not running is it's not evident straight away, but it grows on you and it builds up over time and you look back and you realize I could have and I should have and that's a deeper pain that doesn't go away. The pain of running always builds. The pain of living a life of faith will always build your muscle. It will always strengthen you. And too many people run away from the pain of running in faith. They're afraid of the pain of running in faith. Not realizing that the pain of not running is harder to bear. It's too tough. It's too hard. I want to encourage you, if you haven't run, if you're bearing the pain of not running, that's, this is what Jesus died for. This is what he died for. How many of you know that the disciples still didn't really believe in him fully until he died? Peter denied him because he was avoiding the pain of running. He was avoiding the pain of saying in faith, yes, I am with that man. And he pulled back. And Jesus comes and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So God wants to, Jesus wants to heal our disappointments right now in this room. He's saying, it's okay if you haven't run. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal your pain. But I'm going to encourage you to step into faith. Because that pain always builds. That pain is a good pain. In fact, Paul writes and he says, I run the race with endurance. I buffet my body. I submit my body to pain for the sake of winning the prize. 
for the sake of disciplining my heart, disciplining my spirit, disciplining my body, so that I can actually achieve the, pr- the prize that Christ has called me to. Do you know there were so many runners in the Bible who understood, they understood what it means to press through, to go through. May you not be disappointed, but rather choose the pain of running than choose the pain of not running. Can I say that? Is that good? Then we go back to John 16. I'm going to finish soon. John 16, verse 12. Jesus says, I have many things to say, but you're not able to bear them or to take them upon you or to grasp them. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. He's saying there's some things you're not going to understand. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now part of what he was speaking about, he was saying, what he was actually understanding and not saying, was is you guys, you as disciples still have to experience my death and my resurrection. You still have to go through the experience of seeing me crucified. Feel what it feels like. Be dismayed. And then come to the tomb. And find the tomb empty. And then have me appear. And then the Holy Spirit will help you understand. Is that good? There's some things we don't understand until we start running with faith. And there's some things you just never will understand. Or we will never understand until we run with faith. And that's when God reveals most of his nature to us through the Holy Spirit is when we're running in faith. Come on, God told Abraham, you can stay with your father, but you're going to die here in his land. If you want life, you're going to have to step out, step into the life of faith. Every single hero of the Bible had to walk through some kind of life of faith. They had to walk through some kind of a trial. How many of you love the movies? Can I see anyone who just loves going to the movies or watching a movie? Okay. How many of you know that the lead character in whatever movie you're watching is not having a good time? Never. He's running away from monsters. He's falling out of airplanes. His money got stolen. Something. And the reason we can relate to that is because Jesus Christ, first of all, is the ultimate story. But secondly, we have a life of faith that we need to live in. We don't glory in our suffering. Remember, it's not our springboard. Disappointment is not our springboard. But sometimes we don't realize that God has created us to be like him in his image. And taking dominion means living a life of faith. And so I didn't understand. I was heavily disappointed with God when, when things didn't go right. When things, I mean, I grew up in the perfect family, going to the best school. Best friends. And then I met Justin. No, I was just... 
<laughs> right. Yeah, Justin's practicing resentment there. Okay. So. We were at school together, if you don't know. Okay. And, and, and the perfect family. Man, life was good. Life was good. Church was going well. Yeah, life is lacquer. And then Popo. And at that moment, I can choose. Am I going to be disappointed? Or do I realize that God has actually created me for this moment? Craig Grishels always says, any problem is just another opportunity. An opportunity to lead, an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to problem solve, but most of all, an opportunity to step into your faith, to tap into your faith. Should life have problems? No. It shouldn't have problems. It shouldn't, but it does. And how we respond to that depends on our faith. Depends on who we're drawing from. Depends on who is our Lord, who is, who is in our hearts, who fills our hearts. One day, one day, our world will be perfected. The Bible says God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him will not die, but will have eternal life. And it goes on to say, so that the world can be made a safe place. Verse 17. Bible says creation, the world is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation itself is groaning. Creation is saying, hey, there's problems. But I'm waiting for each one of us to be manifested in the fullness of our faith. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the ultimate perfecting of our world. Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Such an important part of the Lord's Prayer. When we say that, we say it with meaning. Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you want to live in a place that is as in heaven? (laughs) Now the answer is you can. You can right now if you welcome the Holy Spirit into your inner chamber. If you welcome the Holy Spirit into your home, if you welcome the Holy Spirit into your place of work, if you welcome the Holy Spirit into every single day, it becomes like that. Then Jesus says, I'm nearly done. Sorry, guys. Anyone want to go home? We will release you and forgive you. Okay. (laughs) Those people in the band just went on so long, left me so little time to... (laughs) <laughs> so I wonder who the drummer was. <laughs> John 16, I was in John 16, but verse 8 says the following. Let me go to. And when he comes, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict and convince the world. Come on. The Holy Spirit will convict and convince who? The Christians? The people in church? No, the entire world. To it about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. Verse 9, about sin because they don't believe in me. So the Holy Spirit comes and convicts about sin because they don't believe in Jesus. 
How many of you have ever seen that before? That the Holy Spirit comes and convicts. Yes, he comes and convicts to those who don't believe. About righteousness, because why? Jesus is by the Father. So he is literally sitting at the right hand. He's with the Father. And when you turn your eyes to Jesus, he's right next to God in a place of honor. Right? And about judgment. Why? Because Jesus has already, the the enemy has already been judged. Some Christians are waiting for the enemy to be judged. But the Holy Spirit comes and convicts the world that the enemy has already been judged. Meaning, do you have anything to fear? Is there any enemy or any evil that can have power over your life? Only if you let it. (laughs) Only if you let it. But if Jesus is Lord of your life, King of your life, Lord of all, the enemy will not have power over your life. Period. Last verse, Acts 2. Just before I read that, friend of the house, friend of someone we know, Bruce Milner, he runs a church in Kimberley. He said this week something that was just so profound and so, so powerful to me. How many of you have heard that you need to get out of the comfort zone? Anyone heard that? How many of you feel so encouraged when you hear that? How many of you know the Holy Spirit is a comforter? (laughs) So when you step into a life of faith, you're actually stepping into comfort. And so many people have ridden on a guilt bus because I must step out of the comfort zone. I must step into what's awkward. I must step into what's... No, God doesn't want you to live uncomfortably. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit would not be a comforter. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, be free. Go be free. Should I end the service like that? Be free. (laughs) God does not want to have you live a life that is uncomfortable. Otherwise, he would not have sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter. So whenever life is uncomfortable, don't embrace it as uncomfortable. It's not more holy or more righteous to live uncomfortably. The lie was so strong. Back when I was, I remember my dad, he, he read this book about missionaries who gave up their own children. And he lived under the guilt of should I give up my children for the ministry? That's a lie from the enemy. Does that make sense? <laughs> what God has given you, He has given you. He's not calling you to give up what He has given you. He's calling you to step out and stretch your legs for more. Not for the sake of you just receiving more, but for the sake of the fact that if you are faithful with little, you will be faithful with much. If you have received little or if you have received much, you will give much. Does that make sense? So he's asking you to step out. Abraham, when he stepped out in faith, grew in favor. He grew in wisdom and he grew in wealth. So much so 
that the president of the country was afraid. The king was afraid because of his wealth. The king said, I see you have wealth. I'm scared that you've come to take over the kingdom. That's what a life of faith looks like. God gives you more power, more authority, more responsibility, more blessing. Greater wealth, greater provision. But the lie of the enemies is that God wants you to lose that. To step into what is unknown. I was just set free when, when, I, when I watched Bruce's video. You, you guys are welcome at any time. To, and, and I don't give permission or not, but he's got my stamp of approval. <laughs> the word church in Kimberley. It's just, there's the Spirit of God. Spoken. God doesn't want you to step out of comfort. He wants you to step into comfort. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's a good one. Okay, last one. Last one. Act 2. Was it Act 2? I must first remember what verse. Peter is quoting David. And he says in verse 25, For David says in this regard, I saw the Lord constantly before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken or overthrown or cast down. Therefore my heart rejoiced, my tongue exalted exceedingly, and my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my spirit, leaving me helpless, nor let your Holy One know decay or see destruction. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will enrapture me with joy and with and in your presence. He says, brothers, let me then, if it's permitted, tell you confidently and with freedom that David, concerning David, that he died and was buried and his tomb is with us. However, being a prophet and knowing that God had sealed him with an oath, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. And he, foreseeing this, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not deserted and left in Hades, nor did his body know or see destruction. David experienced the fullness of salvation because he saw in a vision what was to happen to Jesus. Can that just sink in a little bit? Some people have preached, no, Old Testament before salvation, New Testament after salvation. But if you believe they were the prophets are the ones who saw Jesus. They saw his death and his resurrection, and they believed before. How much more powerful is, is it for us if we believe having looked back? Does that make sense? <laughs> we get to look back. We get to see and hear that it did happen. David and them looked forward. They saw and they believed. What I want to leave you with today is not just to look back, but God has a vision for your life forward. Not only do you believe in Jesus, then you believe in Jesus now and you believe in Jesus looking forward. 
The enemy is not greater than your future. But Christ in you is greater than the enemy. Is that good? Can I leave you with that? Alrighty. Let's stand together. Can we just stretch our arms up to the sky again nicely? Just, Just release whatever doubt or anything came in with you. Let it go. All right, now we receive. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your continued outpouring in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we could come in worship and we could meet with you. But Father, we thank you for your vision that you're stirring in our hearts. We thank you for the faith that you're stirring in our hearts. And we ask, Father, that you will meet us and comfort us on every step of the road, around every corner, and every single day that lies ahead of us, Father, will you meet us there and be with us. And we thank you for faith that stirs us from glory to glory, from glory to glory. We, Lord, we thank you for your outpouring. And as a body, we say we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. May you guide us and be with us every step of the way. And I release joy in the body now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just give God glory where you're standing. Give him glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. May you be blessed. Be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.